do you have anything particular that you want to touch on with this movie? Uh, I just want to roll up characters for uh, uh, Palladium <laughs> games. That's about it. <laughs> it's the 90s, baby. Everything's dudical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Welcome to Have You Seen This, the world's only podcast about obscure, overlooked, and misbegotten visual media. All discussions will be spoiler heavy. You have been warned. It's Jen. And Tim. Just the two of us tonight. Uh, we're talking about the classic Mongo Santa Maria instrumental Watermelon Man. Uh, but first, a shout out to Jeremy Montez. Jeremy, thank you very much for your support. You can join Jeremy and all the other fine folk over at patreon.com slash have you seen this? And for only $2 a month, you can hear all of our bonus content. Yeah, that's an extra episode every month. It's it's twice what you're getting for nothing. It's two extra episodes a month. Right, yeah. Even Maybe, better. Let me, I make a lot of off-by-one errors. It's, yes. it's a plentiful waste of time. And speaking of, what are we actually talking about tonight? Well, uh, as you mentioned, no, we could not get anyone else to uh, guest on this episode because no one else wanted to talk about Lawnmower Man from 1991. You know, straightforwardly, I didn't bother to ask... <laughs> We we tried asking Stephen King on Twitter, and he blocked us. So, <laughs> well, it turns out that we can't actually blame him for this one, because the only th- the only relation this movie has to a Stephen King work, uh, a short story called Lawnmower Man, is the title. The the producers were twice sued over that. Oh, was it twice? Yeah, once for the theatrical release, and then again when it went to video. Yeah, because they're like, yeah, you know, okay, we won't, you know, put your name in the credits, blah, 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 but we will put it on the VHS box. And that then Stephen King was like, no, goddammit, I did not have anything to do with your movie. Yeah, I can't like, really... Stop saying. Yeah, I, I can't blame him for the, for this one. Like, it's, um, I can see why he's like, no. Well, yeah, because, I mean, and keep in mind, too, like, um, there, you know, there's some history to this. There was a short film of Lawnmower Man, a student film. That was one of, you know, Stephen King's Dollar Babies, which you probably already heard about if you're a nerd like me. Um, Stephen King, you know, produces a lot of work to be generous. <laughs> content. Not all of them are hits. He's, um... Yeah. He's the prototypical content creator. And he just cranks right. the fuck out. Yeah, just and YouTube that was... thumbnails are plenty. Right. I, and I think uh, Rift Tracks had a, a similar... Uh, uh, point of view on that where it's just like yeah it's just something that you know he belched out one morning the original story is like 10 pages long and short of there being a lawnmower in it it has nothing <laughs> to do with the short story and and even like reading the like the summary of it you're like what the hell was Steve like cranking out like this morning was it just like an exercise before he got back to writing like another 200 pages for the stand or something crank let's go with let's go with that noun right yeah and and the original story keep in mind is from like 75 
So any notions of it having any tangential connection to virtual reality is, are below tenuous. Like, it's, yeah, there's it's no like way some... you can fit these two things together. Yeah, it's I, I wasn't able to get a copy, and as it turns out, it it didn't matter. Um, but the original story is something about, like, a landscaper who turns out to be a, a satyr making sacrifices to Pan. Right, and typical <laughs> of Stephen King, it, like, goes off the rails at the end, where he's just like, let's just add in a couple, like, two or three more things that have nothing to do with anything. Did you actually and read it? Like, yeah, okay, sure. No, I'm I'm paraphrasing off of Goodreads. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Smart. Well, yeah, and again, um, I know because I figured that, that was less time than. Yeah, like, and I've um, I have erred in the past by asking Tim to waste time reading things which are superficially related to the movies that we talk about. But um, you know, like for for you know a piece of crap like Mazes and Monsters, like that actually does draw its story from the book as bad right. as it is in this case like i you know this saved us a lot of time now um again on the topic of plentiful waste of time i decided to go big and get the director's cut which yeah so jen is going to be the expert in this case oh christ well <laughs> it is yeah a, I... it is a it is a bounteous two hours and 21 minutes long um that is yeah which that is a movie with something to say that it's it is extremely excessive and you know most people who know me know how i feel about you know overly long movies i prefer a tight 90 minutes Mm -hmm. um and in this case i don't know how well the story is served by um extra helpings uh yeah but um whereas i watched the i watched the regular i watched the regular theatrical release on the uh, for free on the Cyber Secrets Roku channel, which, you know, you can watch Lawnmower Man, you can watch what they got, like, you know, Internet's Own Boy and, like, Citizen Four and Prison <laughs> Planet and all the all the stuff that's of a type. So if you're looking for, you know, sort of, uh, you know, cyberpunk-ish movies, I would say Cyber Secrets is probably an interesting channel that, you, you know, you can probably get your fill of in like a weekend binge they've got you know like nasa live stream on there um they've got uh you know like uh footage from the iss which if you want to watch one guy floating at a terminal for 10 minutes in a shot that does not cut away <laughs> thrill happy verisimilitude of real life astronaut work it's gene dealman in space yeah, he's not even in a space it's just a guy at a computer. Oh, even better. <laughs> yeah, it's not outside. Jean Dealman at her remote uh, data entry job. Um, yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm watching someone trapped in a room endlessly. That's a nice escape. <laughs> Suffice to say that this one is easy to get for listeners if they want to indulge or maybe take a trip down memory lane. Um you know, jokes aside, I think um, this one, as I recall, was Tim's suggestion, I think, because it was a teenage favorite. Yeah, that would be me taking a trip down memory lane. This is, <laughs> you know, if we're going to 1991, I am uh, what I'm like a freshman in high school. And like, I've already found my social group. We, you know, play, you know, Palladium role playing games on the weekends. Um, you know, <laughs> played uh, we played a little bit of cyberpunk, a little bit of Shadowrun. Um, yeah, I had a great character with like eight and nine, eight and nines and attributes in cyberpunk. And, uh, the rest of the team convinced me to, uh, 
do a demolitions job. I did not have the demolition skill. I blew the top of the building off along with our target, and um, that you was that was game. You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Right. Yeah. Um, had you touched a boob yet? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Those delights were yet to come, but I can see why yeah. this movie seized your teenage imagination. Right, yeah, because, I mean, he, putting aside for a minute the, the tan, tangent into, you know, my role-playing group from when I was a kid, um, the, uh, like, the internet was barely even a thing at the time. Right. Like, like I think AOL was the internet. Yeah. So, so to like, like even the notion of like a home computer with a CD-ROM, like that was hot shit. Ooh, Encarta. Like, yeah, like I, I, yeah, Encarta. Like I don't know if this, I, I should, but I don't know whether or not this predates like Mist. Um, but it would have been like around the same time of like you know interactive CD-ROM, like you know, uh, motion graphics, like you know being able to watch videos on your computer. Not full motion video. I mean, don't let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. Oh yeah, but, this was when um, videos were just took up like a really tiny little portion of the screen because yeah, it's a postage stamp. Yeah, this was 1992, so this was well before internet for for most of us that weren't on like I don't know Usenet or something. Yeah, so like even just like a computer was pretty spectacular, right? And you know that's. Um, this is me showing my age. I did get to, to do a little bit of, you know, VR, like at, um, I think it was, it was me and, uh, my, my, uh, I guess it would have been junior high friend, Dan went to the, uh, Exploratorium in San Francisco and they had a couple of like VR, like helmets set up and you could play like this like first person shooter. And sure enough, it was like, you know, you're standing on a checkerboard in like you know empty space and you have to like shoot at each other and it's just like a little pop gun right because because who's going to render like more than one bullet at a, at a time that's impossible i've i'm going off on a tangent here uh well, i'm but really bearing the, lead, set the stage because yeah. um like the it, it seems quaint now even though the concept has had a little bit of a resurgence um <clears throat> the idea of virtual reality um, became a buzzword at the time. It was it was going to be like this wild new frontier. Um, that yeah, was, you know, and, uh, for people with unlimited imagination, you were going to be able to do all this crazy shit in virtual reality. Um, you know, even Nintendo got into the act with their Virtual Boy gaming system, which turned out to be a, an incredible disappointment. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, and someone did a great uh, YouTube video on how that that project kind of got sidelined when they're like. Look, this isn't working. We need to to get get rid of this and get working on like another Game Boy or something. Yeah, and um, yeah, like it it turns out that people are willing to put up with limited graphics if it's in like kind of like a a neat, compelling, portable form with good gameplay. Yeah. Like they they don't want to, um, be practically blind and get headaches playing shitty games. But you're right, and and you know what you're saying is that at the time, like there was a lot of potential in yes in virtual reality there's, there's a lot of um optimism about the future of it where it's like yeah what could it do what can it teach us you know it's like you know when you know in hindsight when people talk about the internet and they're like this is the greatest learning tool ever created <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile like you know how many decades later and just like people are like more divided and more like you know uh in their own 
bubble and you know uh just like you got uh sort of like gulping down solipsism you know left and right yeah and the second question after what does it do is always how can i use it to jerk off right right yeah how can i make money off of this how can i use it to jerk off mm-hmm. um and you know and and true those those vices are you know addressed in the lawnmower man <laughs> yes <laughs> uh because uh she's yeah i i mean i'm still trying to to you know preface and set the stage here because um i, I continue to be interested in you know games and you know tabletop or video games vr uh games and stuff i have i actually have a vr helmet that you know i used for a week and then put on a shelf so that really tells you everything you need to know about vr um the <laughs> you didn't you mean you didn't use it to um enact petty revenge against your bullies and tormentors i i tried rewriting my brain but it didn't work it turns <laughs> out it doesn't work that way it's just two cameras and uh and some headphones i just got um, stupider <laughs> Yeah, it only got stupider, which it turns out you only need one screen to do that. Turns out you just uh, need to go to Jupiter to do that. Yeah, <laughs> which you can do in virtual reality. <laughs> um, so one of the things I'm surprised, you know, Jen, that you haven't mentioned is, you know, because I know that you like, you know, you, you lean on Cumtown pretty heavily as a, a cultural touchstone. But I think that this, um, it like this level of, uh, uh, science fiction I think harkens to that uh you know what if your friend was an app kind of you know level of uh of social commentary oh well yeah that 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 came from uh uh felix biederman on on chapo trap house yeah he, same same he coined that uh yeah and and that's kind of you know that's and, um and you just made me realize like um you know in 1992 you know, as silly as this movie was, it came out and it was like, wow, like what new frontiers await us on a, you know, a, a connected network with all these incredible visuals and whatnot. And, you know, fast forward to 2020 and it's just me repeating bits from podcasts that I like. Yeah, it's like, oh, here's here's a, a joke that I heard on AM radio. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, I think that maybe like the optimism, like even even like the tragedy in, you know, what is a. I guess a sci-fi horror film mm-hmm. like doesn't even get to the real horror of the human condition, which is like, you know, oh, you know, the the potential of you know science fiction, you know, of, of technologies that it could make you know people into you know uh, sociopathic you know genius psychics. And it's like no, it'll probably just make people into like lazy, selfish trolls. <laughs> but that's not really an interesting movie now, is it? No. Like, yeah, it doesn't even get cynicism right. Hence um, why we turn to uh, to cinema for our wildest imaginings. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a neat concept. Uh, it, it is an arc for for a character to say, you know, if you started out dumb and you got smart, you know, what happens to this person? And it isn't just well, if this person had unlimited you know access to information, will they just use it to waste other people's time and you know <laughs> try try and ruin people's uh, social standing? Yeah. And um, uh, like I'm not telling. Um, I'm not telling our audience anything that they won't have figured out just from a cursory read of the the log line, but it is kind of like a souped-up Flowers for Algernon. Yeah, which maybe that's kind of why it spoke to me, because I really like that in, you know, fourth grade or whenever that I read it. But Yeah, I yeah. read that early, too, and it um, it's such a profoundly sad story that it, you know, it, it 
really affected me. Like I've always having been like overly sensitive and honestly, that's how I feel about in general about stories, which um, have developmentally disabled protagonists is that my, my sorrow for them is so intense that I find them hard to watch. But um, like Job in this movie goes through such a just uh, rapid and, wild ass transformation that you know the pathos is kind of left far behind yeah it is it, it is kind of a sci-fi maybe inversion of flowers for algernon um because yeah you you don't it, or it's the more sinister version of same because yeah you're right like you i mean that story's stuck with me you know for you know low these many years because yeah you identify with the character you're reading his journal in first person and you know you relish in him you know gradually getting smarter and then you eventually see that tragic turn that it takes and then you know his writing turns back the way it was and you're and you know you can kind of piece together what's happening as a little kid trying to figure this out it's 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 a really you know engaging read yeah it's i mean there's a reason why that story is is uh in spite of um well you know it isn't even really that that dated because like the you know the um you know, I don't remember uh, reading it and thinking that it was, it, you know, it had like all this quaint technology in it. Like it, it is kind of a durable concept. Um, yeah. It could be re- really easily updated. But, um, you know, the, the, the tragedy of this character's journey is like what really resonates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like, you know, what happens with the rat and you're like, well. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's so wrenching. And um, we yeah. are not talking about the lawnmower man. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, we're getting to that. I, I want to say as an aside too that um, uh, Ruben Bowling, uh, he does a genius comic strip called Tom the Dancing Bug that I've been reading since it was on Salon. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, speaking of ages of the internet, this is like pre-Web 2.0, which is also a term that's so antiquated, I forgot about it. I forgot about Web 2.0. What what version um, of the web are we even on at this point? We're, we're on, like, the patched beta, like, Windows 2000 version of the internet right now. Oh, that's why it sucks shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, I would rather be using Microsoft Bob at this point. <laughs> uh, imagine for a minute that maybe, you know, Job was successful in his uh, endeavors, and, yeah, he's the one pulling the strings and making this into internet this connected global village into kind of this global hellscape so you know he's kind of that um uh that's uh fundamental you know tragic flaw that can't be you know extricated from the internet so like the reason everything sucks is because of job is kind of the ghost in the machine this whole time i think what he ended up doing was just like ddos attacks against furry websites well that's fine i guess he's the hero after all (laughs) Um, I mean, that would have been an interesting concept for a sequel, not that I've seen the sequel or, or anything to do with a video game or any of the other people who also, or any of the other media that the people from the first movie also were not involved in. Yeah, this movie made money. It yeah. made its budget back and a little bit extra, um, which, I, I, you know, it's not that surprising. I mean, you know, it has a, it's got a narrative that moves and it's, um, the concept is arresting. It certainly would have been very novel at the time. It, it's got Stephen King's name attached to it. <laughs> and, you know, like when you go to see a Stephen King adaptation, 
you know you're rolling the dice, so, you know, it's not like people would go in and be like, what the fuck is this shit? Um, right, yeah. Like, I feel like the producers, in a way, should have, like, fought to get his name off of it because it's like, I mean, with the exception of something that has, like, Kubrick's name attached, if you see something that's like, oh, adapted from Stephen King, you're like, no, no, no. But, yeah, again. I mean, we're going to get so much hate mail from Maximum Overdrive fans. <laughs> is that a... It, 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 is that a group of people? Does anyone like Maximum Overdrive? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think. West of us. I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> I mean, if I'm wrong, uh, write in and, and let us know. I would be very curious to hear the justification. <laughs> right. Um, so the other thing too that I want to say, um, and uh, uh, since there's no one to dispute me, I am going to say it. Um, I'm not a fan of Black Mirror. I'm not impressed by it. I'm not like bowled over by its, you know, idea of, you know, technology as this corrupting influence. Partly because like I've grown up with this stuff already. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, when I was watching Lawnmower Man in the 90s, and then people are like, oh, if like there's a way that we could relive our memories, it'd turn out, it'd make us into obsessive, you know, uh, possessive assholes, be like, well, it's not really technology's fault. Or, you know, whatever. Like, you know, a lot of the episodes I've forgotten, but like, I don't know. I feel like people who think Black Mirror is this, like, you know, rich, nuanced satire, it's like, keep up. Like, you know, it's like, oh, like, you just got here. Okay, I see. I don't think you're alone in that. I think I've heard a lot of um, mixed reactions to Black Mirror. Um, Well, it's, well, I think, like, the fundamental conceit of it is that, like, you know, technology is bad, which is, you know, kind of a, you know, old man shouts at cloud kind of uh kind of point of view like it doesn't inherently like it, it doesn't wash because it's like it's, it is people in this who are the problem like the technology just facilitates that right so so in that case like you can remove the technology from it and you still have the same thing so then what is like the central thesis unravels guns don't kill people <laughs> Well, like, I, if you wanted to kill someone really badly, you'd find a way. Well, I, you know, again, like, I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I'm just kind of trolling because I'm not, you know, I'm also not anti-gun. Um, yeah. I agree with you that the issue isn't really the, the technology. It's, um, it has a lot more to do with, with malefactors with access to technology. I, like, if you think of the tech problems of today, the surveillance uh tools that are making all of our lives miserable like like those it's because those are being wielded by you know shadowy corporations and billionaires and shit like that like we we had to create a massive um authoritarian state in order to wield these tools in like such an evil way and you know that real that kind of isn't necessarily the fault of the the computers and things themselves it's you know the fact that you know the way that we as a as a nation reacted to to 9-11 and our kind of naive trust in you know tech billionaires and silicon valley people right and part of that too is um uh there's another book i read uh i I think it was called hackers yeah it's not like the you know the novelization of the movie but (laughs) yeah it deals with it's all about hacking um, the planet Right, yeah, but it deals with, um, uh, it, it, like, it talks about, 
like the origins of you know computer programming clubs from like this model train group at MIT and you know how they you know took their knowledge of you know relays and circuits and everything into you know building computers and then um, programming them and at the time it was just you know it was a club and they would write out their programs you know into like you know punch cards or in um, you know assembly or whatever and they just leave them in a drawer and anyone who wanted to use one would like rifle through the drawer and find the program and type it up um, but then like eventually like their um, sort of the influence outgrew the original ethos because you know suddenly computers were a useful thing where it's like well a business might want to use a computer and you know how do we make it so different people can you know write software on the computer and you know use it for whatever their own purposes are and blah 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 and um you know if we wanted to create like for instance it'd be like well if we wanted to create separate user accounts so that you know person a can work on project you know x and person b can work on project y and then um uh, but the people from the homebrew computer club, like they wrote a system and like, it didn't have any kind of permissions in it. It's just like, well, we'll just take a laissez-faire approach to it and we'll just leave the software, you know, in a big heap and whoever <laughs> wants to get to it can get to it. And whoever wants to delete it can delete it. And, you know, you modify and you change. And it has like this sort of, uh, you know, this high minded open source ethos to it. Yes. But it's a little Pollyanna-ish, too. It's saying, you know, that it is based on the notion that everyone has skin in the game and there are no bad actors, which is absolutely not the case, especially when you open something up to the public that costs nothing to use. Mm -hmm. That's where sort of the ideas of technology and the applications of it uh, go out of sync here. That has nothing to do with Lawnmower Man, because that's just about a guy who, you know, is gifted powers beyond his um uh probably um ethics to to use them mm -hmm. i don't know i think maybe maybe i just made that case though yeah like it's um it, technology and, gives man powers beyond the ethics to use them there it's a pretty that's a pretty timeless story i mean you know going all the way back to to frankenstein um yeah man accessing powers and technology and abilities that he probably shouldn't have access to Right. So when someone, you know, wants to elevate uh, Black Mirror like it's the first time anyone thought of that, I'm like, give me a fucking break. <laughs> like, let's like keep up. Right. Um, but I mean, I so, think you, you uh, like it's um, it's interesting because usually these kind of tech run amok stories just inevitably have a kind of reactionary bent like already baked into them but this is kind mm -hmm. of an interesting case because um the guy the guy who made it a guy named brett leonard um he's been really involved and a passionate advocate for uh out virtual virtual reality and its outgrowths like outgrowths like since before and since this movie was made so you know, in in spite of this story being about um, a guy turning into a um, a technological supervillain, like it hasn't it hasn't dissuaded him from um, continuing to have hopes for the technology. Yeah, you know he's got he's got what he likes. He's got his thing. Yeah. Well, at any rate, oh, and, virtual um, reality before does. Before I forget, hmm? because I will forget. Um, do you remember that Peter Gabriel video for Kiss That Frog? Of course. He directed it. Okay, yeah. well, that's that's totally on brand. It's funny because, like, if you watch that video now, um, you appreciate what 
Peter Gabriel was trying to do because um, he was always about uh, adopting and using brand new technologies in his music and in uh, the multimedia he produced. So he's all into like CD-ROMs and virtual reality and all, all that shit and computer-generated imagery um, in the 90s. But if you go back and you watch that video, it looks like dog shit. <laughs> yeah. It looks but, I mean, horrible. At, <laughs> but at the time, you know, you could be playing like a Super Nintendo and be like, oh, man, look at these graphics. Well, but that's why I like, was surprised by this movie in, um, because I, you know, what I had in my mind was the Kiss That Frog video. And I was like, oh, man, these, these virtual reality s- sequences are going to look like shit. But they're not bad. They're cheesy, but... Yeah, they're, um, you know, they don't just look like a big mess the way that that music video does. There is um, they it, it, it looks like they actually like had artists working on it who applied like interesting uses of, of color and uses of the space. So you're like, oh, OK, you know, this actually like looks kind of cool. And it's also nice to see something colorful because nowadays, like all science fiction is just like completely washed out and desaturated. Yeah. yeah it, it has a certain sort of abstract, um, uh, stylized look to it, which yeah, at the time it was what VR looked like at the time, but you can justify it and be like, well, you know, this is, this is their version of what they're saying VR looks like. Like, I mean, no one's looking back at Tron and being like, well, that doesn't look very realistic. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's a stylized version of it. And, that it, you know, serves to tell the story within that framework. I, you know, I give it a pass on that. Yeah. Yeah, I was really expecting to, like, rip hard on the visuals. And, you know, it's not... Um, yeah, it's, it's like, not I like won't... watching Wonder Boy. No, 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 no. I, yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh, this is um, this is a sumptuous feast for the eyes. But, you know, it's for what it is. It's, it's, it's not bad. Um, right. And and considering that movies do a lot worse with like just regular graphical user interfaces. Yes. I mean, yeah, you don't need to look any further than the Unix system from Jurassic Park to be like, hang on. I know this. Right. Yeah. So that when you're seeing like, you know, like a, a pulsating brain and like, you know, a um, sort of geometrical version of a hand in cyberspace, you're like, OK, I get it. <laughs> But um, let's go back to teenage Tim. Yes, um, let's talk more about him. Skinny, angry, horny. He's right. watching. Yeah, just did, I am two of those things now. <laughs> did, <laughs> did you go to the theater to see this, or did you see it on cable? Uh, I'm I, jeez, I know I have it on VHS. <laughs> I can't say for sure whether I saw it in the theater. Right. Um, you know, in my hometown's you know one movie theater <laughs> um i know i saw batman there sick um yeah i wouldn't have seen it on cable because we didn't have cable right you were a working class family as i recall tells yeah tells you everything yeah you need to know <laughs> um so yeah i i would have either seen it on tv or my parents probably bought me the vhs from suncoast video that's adorable i used to love suncoast when i was a teenager yeah i thought it was the coolest yeah, they... store yeah except for the one i went to only ever had the same two red dwarf vhs tapes so. yeah oh man when you could um when you liked a show and you could only get like two episodes at a time like on a vhs yep. tape yeah 
be like, yeah, I'd like to watch more of this. I'll just wait for the next PBS marathon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's um, uh, let's 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 um let's delve into the brain of young Tim watching the Lawnmower Man on VHS. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it it has you know it has powerful computers. It has virtual reality, which is new and you know novel and exciting. Um, I, it has neat concepts in there treating um like the brain or the treating the mind like software and you know me eventually being a software developer that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. um and just the notion that technology bridges that gap between like software and consciousness to the point where we're just like who i am and you know what my abilities are is just yeah is is a uh like i can update that in the same way that i update my os like that that to me is a crazy concept and i really find that interesting maybe not as much as the director finds it interesting but i think it's it's a pretty neat uh idea and you know the conceit that virtual reality can alter one's mind i is uh, is really cool to me well it's a very seductive one and um i think it's why it's so popular in 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 science fiction like um you know if you were to look at uh you know, a really lasting work like Dune, I think one of the things that really uh, seizes people's imaginations about the, the world in it is that, you know, it it posits an ability to have absolute control over your own mind, like to control your emotions and to develop powers, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, that you can, like, upgrade yourself. And, you know, to, um, especially in in times like these when you know, uh, so many of us are basically just like marinating in, in anxiety, like all the time, like the idea of molding the brain is, is a really attractive one. And, um, of course you see this idea of, um, you know, the brain as, um, malleable by software in other movies like the matrix, you know, how Neo is able to learn Kung Fu and drunk and boxing, um, right in within minutes um there's also <laughs> yeah there's also, so the it same... also happens in battlefield earth when like the entire like you know all the knowledge of the universe is like downloaded into into barry pepper's uh, uh man animal brain it's uh, you know people yeah. like that idea yeah i mean because you know learning is just implanting you know data into your brain and like if you can deal with that directly by just saying you know if we just you know give it the right series of electrical signals then you would have learned something right you know it's kind of like the um you know that brain in a jar uh thought experiment where it's like look if we're just stimulating this part of your brain to make you do something and you're none the wiser like how far can we take that yeah and if you if you have adhd and have trouble concentrating or reading like if i could just plug shit into my brain yeah it would be so it would like I would be so much happier. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, we've been able to, you know, augment the body with, you know, machines. You know, it's like the McLuhan thing, like, you know, the, with like the, the, like the pen is, you know, is the, sort of the extension of the hand. Like, you know, the, the car is like the extension of the foot. Um, I think I'm fudging those a little, but, um, but yeah, the idea that, you know, the technology is an extension of ourselves. And we've been able to ex- extend the hardware. At what point can we start, you know, updating the software? Like, when can we start changing things there? Yes. 
Yeah. So it's yeah, like you say, it's a seductive idea, and that's that's what I think is really interesting about the Lawnmower Man movie, and it's why you know I will forgive any shortcomings that it might have. Yeah, which um, like not actually being based on a Stephen King story. I don't know. <laughs> Although, like the the irony though is like, would I have seen it if Stephen King's name wasn't attached? I mean, if um. <sighs> Well, imagine if they had adapted, like, the actual story. Like, this movie wouldn't... I don't think this movie would have made $30 million. <laughs> we, we would have been talking about it for a different reason. Um, but uh, do we want to start to delve into the story? Sure. Uh, you know, we're, we're about an hour or two into this. Why not? Um, so there is... And, again, like, the sort of stuff that was just, you know, really... Um, yeah, on uh, those, you know, pushing my buttons, you know, at the time that I was a teenager, there's a, you know, secret organization like this, you know, technological sort of black site, which, you know, you could call that, you know, Aperture Labs, you could call that Black Mesa, you could call that Area 51, you know, like that idea is still pretty timeless. Um, yeah, and this, these are, know, it's probably something like affecting all of our lives, like right now as we speak. Right. Yeah. Like, maybe so, they're not trying to make chimps into, like, invincible super soldiers, but, sh- I yeah. mean, like, you know, just, just read up about DARPA. Yeah, yeah, just any of those DARPA, um, like, award projects, you know, you can look up Boston Dynamics and look at what monstrosities they're creating in a windowless laboratory. Mm-hmm. You know, there are people doing shit like this. It's cool stuff, <laughs> you know, until it destroys us all, but whatever. I mean, this is just regular, you know, sci-fi trope stuff, you know, like Grey Goo came out of some lab. Um, so, so yeah, there's this, you know, shadowy private technology company that, um, uh, I, I forget his character's name, uh, you know, James Bond. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Larry, so Pierce Larry, Larry Angelo? Yes. He doesn't seem Italian uh, to me, but... No, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, he's doing you know, this virtual reality research where they're trying to make this chimp super soldier, which um, I think, Jen, like, you can probably uh, weigh in on this. Like, do you need to train a chimp to be, like, a killing machine, really? Yeah, like, just get it mad enough and, you know, nobody in the room will have their face or their genitals left. Yeah, um, yeah, like, but... why, why do you need to give this chimp a monkey when he can just, like, you know, tear your ears off? <laughs> just... <laughs> Just, just give a monkey a gun and see what it does. Right. Um, but yeah, like it seems to be a project where they have a chimpanzee play video games, and this is going to turn because, them as into it a... has been proven, video games cause violence. Yeah, it, yeah, this is some, time and uh, again. This, this is some. What's that guy's name? Jack Thompson? Is that the guy? I don't know. The anti well, there are a lot of anti video game people. And yeah, in fact, pick um I picked up a book called uh On Killing a while back, which I have not finished. Killed because anyone yet. I, yet. Um <laughs> I didn't go any further in it because uh when I started the intro, it um posited that the biggest threat um the vi- the biggest violent threat um, at the time the book was written, was video games. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Um, it, it posited that the biggest threat of murder was death. <laughs> now, right. um, the biggest contributor to, to murder was death. But this is the thing: is it is it turns out that it was written by a guy called David Grossman, who um, I think he's been 
talked about recently in, in left circles for um, basically teaching like more effective like killing and repression techniques to police. Um, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, and um, you know we can all laugh at the idea of video games like turning people into killing machines. It's like, well, you know, that's not quite how it works. But um, but yeah, if you start with the conclusion, then you know find evidence to support it. That's what you're going to do. Right, get. right, right. Um, but you know, if you um take a look at the direction the military has gone in recently, where um, you know the 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 act of killing is extremely detached and involves like um some guy pushing a button while he sits in front of a screen then mm. you know like the collateral murderer video and all that stuff like it, it does right. get like a little more chilling um and i think the military actually has been historically interested in like the ability of um video games to not only recruit people and like get them interested in the military in general but you know could this technology be applied to teach soldiers to kill more effectively right yeah i remember going to um half okay half remember i'll admit half remember going to a video game expo in anaheim and you know that was where i first found guitar here so the rest of it kind of fades into the background except for (laughs) one which was a first person shooter that was sponsored by like the u.s military yeah and it's just like it, I could not think of a more blatant recruitment tool than to be like, hey, you like shooting guys in the desert. Well, if I got an offer for you. Yeah, and um, ev- I'm, I hope everyone will pardon me f- for reading directly from Wikipedia, but this kind of like sums it up. Um, Grossman argues that t- the techniques used by armies to train soldiers to kill are mirrored in certain types of video games. The conclusion that he draws is that playing violent video games, particularly light gun shooters of the first-person shooter variety, uh, train children in the use of weapons, and more importantly, harden them emotionally to the task of murder by simulating the killing of hundreds or thousands of opponents in a single typical video game. Now, um, that's obviously like uh, kind of like a moral panic framing and, you know, something which could like scare parents, but it's, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, you know, if you're military or police, like your whole reason for being is that, you know, your whole reason for being in that profession um, is you're supposed to be hardened enough to just kill people without reflection. Like, that's the direction that the U.S. military and, like, uh, policing in the United States has gone in. So I'm like, well, I don't know if this guy Grossman is saying that that's a bad thing. Like, or, you know, is he just more mad that the military isn't, like, harnessing it as effectively as it is or, like, the cops yeah, well, if you want to watch a documentary on that, you should watch uh, the B-movie Brain Twisters about how video games can make children <laughs> to violent criminals. You know, That's, this... I'm joking, of course. The movie's garbage. No, um, but, you know, this movie, in spite of obviously being a mainstream feature film with a feature film budget, has the most powerful direct-to-video energy that I've ever felt from a mainstream this is film. true yeah one of the things that i know back to your to earlier point like what the issue that i take with that grossman quote is that he looked at the entire scope of um you know of war and the you know human history of violence and he's like well none of this would exist if it weren't for video games right <laughs> like he's he says that war exists video games emulate war therefore video games are the problem like i think you have the cart way in front of the horse here 
you know, I'm I'm leading us off onto like all kinds of paths, so I apologize. Right. Yeah, I mean, let's keep let's focus on the story here. Um James Bond invents a killer ape. Yes. Yeah, and he's got heat vision like the Predator, which is pretty cool cuz I mean, sick. really it like they're training the ape to be a murderer, but they're also kidding him out with some pretty impressive gear too, like you know, he's got the um he's got like the heads up display with like the heat vision. And it's pretty much it's telling him, you know, what to do. It's saying like, oh, there's a gun. Grab that. There's a key card. Grab that. Put that in the door to escape. Um, and there is a cool shot of um, like through like through his augmented reality headset. He steals the guard's gun and he shoots the guard in the head. And you see like just the heat vision of like his brains being blown out. Which Yeah. I, I, I also is, uh, noticed that shot because I was like, oh, that's like a re- that's a really cool way to do that shot. Yeah, that was really neat. And so it already sets up sort of the meshing of, you know, technology and violence that's going to happen for the rest of the movie. So Teenage Tim is already like, oh, cool. I'm like, that is a neat way to tell the story about a <laughs> chimp killing a security guard. <laughs> but um, so um, Shakma escapes, correct? Yeah, and he, he escapes and he gets... um. Uh, he gets machine gunned to death in front of um, big gormless Jeff Fahey, um, <laughs> who who has top billing in this. But man, like I I gotta again defer to Riff Tracks for just just describing how like I think it was Kevin who points out he hates Jeff Fahey's dumb big lipped expression. <laughs> he looks like he has had lip fillers in this movie. I don't think he did. He looks like he, he belongs like in it. Team America. Now, he looks like Trey Parker. Yeah. Like, he looks like Trey Parker parodying a movie about, let's just say it, a retard. Right. Which is, you know, kind of funny, too, because, you know, uh, Jeff Fahey does go full retard in this. Yeah, there's he does. A, a, There's very simple Jack <laughs> sort of uh, energy to this as well. It's it is it is a very sensitive portrayal of a developmentally disabled individual. Let me tell you, yeah, very yeah, subtle. Just... Um, you know the the characters are certainly not flat stereotypes, um, either <laughs> cartoonishly good or um, shockingly villainous. Um, right. Like, this well, movie what, even has. Are you talking? Like... Are you talking about the um, the the corporal Catholic priest or the drunken <laughs> Irish uh, like uh, gardener? <laughs> This movie has not one, but two Irish stereotypes, a priest and a drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, if you really wanted to be woke on this, be like, hey, you know, why isn't the gardener Mexican, eh? (laughs) He's brown erasure. (laughs) That's true. It obviously didn't take place in in California. Right. Um, Yeah. But you know this is uh it, you know this this movie is um it's so relevant it's just it's placeless it's timeless. Yeah. It's the timeless story of a of a mentally of a... impaired man becoming a, a computer supervillain. Right. Uh and and yeah and I think the the version that I watched uh, I must have the director's cut on VHS because I remember uh you know uh, I, I remember Job encountering who he calls Cyboman, oh, yeah. which is the 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 killer ape. Which yeah, I'm the, glad they cut out of the version I watched because that part is hella stupid. 
Well, it's yeah, it's um, it it's it's it is in the director's cut hit because he equates um the chimp who's wearing all his virtual reality gear with the comic book hero Cybo Man because you know he's a simple man who reads comic books. He's like yeah, he's like any comic book fan or pro wrestling fan or you know, right? Yeah, he's a of. he's a simpleton reading like Grant Morrison comic books and. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> his character his character loves the invisibles yeah yeah you know he's, uh, he's reading dan claus and his coveralls a trans like, a, a, tr- a trans sex worker showed up at his shack and he's like oh lord fanny i love you are you doing fanny <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so the um the evil um the evil uh D- department of defense organization like comes to retrieve their monkey but they shoot it yeah so and, a monkey uh, gets... james bond is very upset right yeah he worked hard on that monkey uh <laughs> and you know i think he's kind of you know, got it backwards here too because i mean if if he can train a monkey to kill people like it's got to be that much easier to train a marine <laughs> oh i don't know <laughs> uh... no they kill really effectively <laughs> right that's <laughs> yeah, one thing that enough. is one thing that they do do <laughs> I mean, if you can simplify things beyond chimp level, then you should be all right. Um, <laughs> my cousin's a Marine. Uh, so, Where yeah. were we in the plot? Uh, we were at um, an ape getting a machine gun to death in front of a retard. <laughs> Which, again, classic story. The I know. Pathos. Yeah. Um, and so at that Tale point... Tale as old as uh, time. Yeah, so at that point, you know, 007 is like, oh, I need another monkey if I want to keep working. Like, yeah, I need my funding. And then, you know, then there's uh, Jeff Fahey out mowing the lawn. And he's like, oh, it looks kind of like a monkey. <laughs> he is. <laughs> Probably he makes is, this work. He is a large primate who is somewhat skilled. Like, he'll yeah. slot right into this secret military research. Yeah. So, you know, like any other, you know, predator, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, someone trying to, uh, you know, get you hooked on drugs or or trying to diddle you in his basement. Um <laughs> Uh, so uh so james bond uh you know lures uh jeff fahey <laughs> and the uh and the kid from last action hero to play video games in his basement because that isn't like fucking suspect because <laughs> he's got a, he's got a cool ass rig <laughs> yeah he literally says to him he's um Bro- pierce brosnan's like i have other different games <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like hey kid you like video games uh, like a person who's not like legally able to make decisions for themselves yeah but sure enough you know he lures him in and he um gets him playing video games and he gets him playing some of the like i mean to, to call them edutainment is do it is you know uh doing them a service because these well, are some do, of the most they do boring Oregon trail ass. they go they do mavis beacon teaches typing um they yeah read a rabbit yeah, so and, all the um, stuff. They, and Joe yeah, is they, like, "Wow, this is great!" Like, but what else you got? Yeah, you got you know, you got Cooking Mama, or <laughs> <laughs> you got Farm like, Hero Saga. Yeah. <laughs> oh God! Like, imagine if he had introduced him to free to play games. Oh, he, well, he'd just be like a, a hopeless addict then, which I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, same, he's not same. like you know, Brosnan is in, involved in like secret military research but he's not that unethical yeah he doesn't yeah, teach him about loot boxes yeah he's unethical he's not evil 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so he's got him playing Braid Age on his DS. <laughs> and, you know, gradually, you know, he starts to talk in complete sentences. Um, and, the, yeah, then eventually he's, you know, now that he's successfully groomed uh, Job, <laughs> he, you know, he takes him into the lab and he starts giving him the VR treatment. And, yeah, again, he's got his, you know, dumb, gormless expression while pretty much, um, uh, well, Pierce Brosnan is um, basically just using him as his, his test monkey, and he starts doing VR stuff to his brain. And it's, you know, like a, like we said before, you know, the graphics aren't, you know, you know, cutting edge, um, you know, realistic uh imagery but it is stylized virtual reality stuff and it looks cool because they're when he's fiddling with his brain you know you've got this giant pulsating you know uh brain with like lightning shooting out of it and you know he's tapping it and the thing looks like it's ready to explode like it's very evocative Mm -hmm. of of indicating what's going on in job's mind he's trying to you know make him from a from a stupid person into a, a less stupid person yeah, and as it turns out, like, getting smarter also gets you better clothes and pussy. Yeah, because then he, he realizes, like, oh, I've been mowing lawns, like, you know, for 20 years or so. It turns out that I'm actually really ripped. Yeah. And there's a... And there's <laughs> yeah, a... Yeah, like, it's, it's totally like, like, that's the equivalent of a movie in which, like, a, a bookish librarian, like, takes her glasses off and shakes out her hair and she's hot. It's like, in... The beginning of the movie, he's wearing, like, overalls and a shirt that you could fit, like, two other Jeff Fahey's in. But yes. then the next thing you know, he's, like, stripped to the waist, and he is cut. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, you know, he's sort of like a Marlboro Man, pretty much. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I want to be that now. You know, he's got some self-awareness to him, and he's got, you know, a little bit of uh, dignity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, he, he turns out he's like... Oh, I'm no longer just, you know, a pawn of the world now. I've got a little bit of power and I can flex it. And, you know, he starts interacting with the other characters. There's, you know, the um, dad who bullies his, you know, young younger friend, the aforementioned kid from Last Action Hero, whatever his name is. You know, there's this, you know, gardener, uh, landscaper boss and the, um, you know, bored housewife who, uh, you know, pretty much, you know, pounces on anything with a pulse. Um, there's the other guy, Terry, who's a jerk to him because he's retarded. Um, yeah, and so, you know, sort of the, the paradigm starts to shift a little, shift a little, because, you know, uh, Job has a little bit of a brain now. He's, Mm -hmm. like, normal intelligence. So, things start to change, you know, he gets, like you say, he gets a little pussy, because suddenly, like, you know, a, um, man in shape who can dress himself, like, (laughs) that, that's pretty high on the list of things that women are into. Yeah, the bar is really so low. <laughs> well, I mean, what are what are this woman's other options? A uh, an abusive father, an old drunk, um James Bond or um a guy who works at a gas station. Well, um you know, Brosnan wouldn't have been so bad because, you know, as as is uh, shown at the beginning of the movie, he has a a cunt wife that he argues with all the time and who he just, right. he forgets to take to the city. Yeah, it, again, a, a really nuanced character with a lot of depth. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, one of the other timeless things too, like she's she comes down mad at him that he plays video games too much. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's you know nothing nothing new there. What a um, bitch! Dudes just want to rock. Right? Yeah, just let him 
let him do the thing. Like, do you think that he suddenly, like, found this interest in, you know, virtual reality augmented, you know, uh, human transcendentalism or something? (laughs) (laughs) Just, like, pick that up in a weekend? Let him do his wildly unethical research involving developmentally disabled men and children in peace. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like he just like you know picked up Minecraft one weekend and just really got into it. Now they don't you know go out for pizza or something. <laughs> now, Sorry, I didn't take been... you out for pizza, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> if it had been Minecraft. Fortnite, right? Oh yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah, his girlfriend gets mad at him because he plays video games too much, and it isn't like video games where he's like fucking other women. Although she does suspect that because you know bitches, man. Um. But yeah, it's just he plays video games too much and she doesn't like that. It's not, you know, the unethical nature of his work. It is that he's always in the basement, just in his VR world. Well, this, I think, I well, you know, I was going to say this was pre-internet porn, but that's really internet porn as we know it. For all I know, he could be cybering. Yeah, hey, you, you never know. You know, talking, um, to, talking to real dirty bitches on alt.sex. Dot, dot, yeah. Virtual dot lawnmower.com <laughs> exe <laughs> click here um yeah so and, and i don't think you really got enough time to expand on this point but yeah like the way that you know the the dynamics are between the characters the way you know the girlfriend is written you did point out and it is valid that the movie does have strong direct-to-video energy yeah and, and it's not um and usually that's the case for movies where um, there's an obvious cheapness to the production. Um, mm-hmm. You know, anything direct-to-video, obviously, is just going to be smaller budget. But this movie is fairly fully, is fully realized in its production design. It's more like a cheapness of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could very well be. And this is um, uh, another, another tangent. Um I was just rewatching uh, Black Mass about uh, Whitey Bulger, and I did not realize at the time like the number of faces that it has in it. It's just like, you know, where, whether it is, you know, it's not just uh, uh, Johnny Depp or Kevin Bacon, but it's like, oh, it's the guy from Parks and Rec. Oh, it's the guy from Stranger Things. It's mm-hmm. the guy from this and that. Um, but yeah, the problem that that movie has is that Goodfellas cast a long shadow. Like right. you are not getting out of that with your um with your you know mobster epic story like you're gonna have to do something different like you can't just do you know period shots set to classic rock like well yeah and it's been done um, and you aren't gonna do it better yeah and like really basic people online like to get on scorsese for you know doing another gangster picture but it's like he really is good at it yeah no one else is as good yeah, so. it's kind of that, you know, it's, you know, Trent Reznor watching, you know, Johnny Cash's cover of Hurt, and it's like, yeah, it's his song now. It's like, that is Scorsese's genre. It's like, don't, like, it's almost like, stay out of his turf. I don't know if there's some kind of metaphor for that. that I don't know. Um, but yeah, so, but that's the that's the aside about Black Mass. But yeah, it's the same story as with, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to wait for, like, the Wachowski siblings to come mm-hmm. along to like really present uh, a sort of cyberspace transhumanist sci-fi adventure that that really blows you know the doors off of the genre because before that or even contemporary to that it's like existence and like 13th floor 
mm-hmm. and this, you know, it, you yeah. know, eight years earlier. But at the time, it's all very, you know, kind of samey. Like nothing gets, nothing gets so like radically different that you go, oh, okay, this is showing me something new and exciting that I haven't seen before. This is like, you know, it's it's maybe one step ahead of what you could conceive of on your own. Like, mm-hmm. and that is kind of a delicate balance because you're like, well, I want to present something that's recognizable and similar, you know, to what we have now. It's just because that is sci-fi. It's taking something, you know, just extrapolating on it from current things, but. Maybe this didn't extrapolate quite so much, and that's why it has that kind of direct-to-video quality that you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, amusingly, um, the same director tried to stretch it a little bit with uh, after his success with this one by uh, making the Denzel Washington, Russell Crowe movie Virtuality. I thought it was Virtuosity. Um, you're right. It's called Virtuosity. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, and and there there were some neat effects in there, like there was some neat attention to detail. Yeah, but um, that that movie was not as successful as this one. Um, it did give us yet another look at Russell Crowe, who was up and coming. Um, mm-hmm. So I, re- I remember watching uh, Virtuosity and thinking, like, like, damn, this guy's really fucking good. And I had yeah. the same reaction again when I saw him in L.A. Confidential. Yeah. And then you saw him again when you saw 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, and you're like, forget the acting thing, stick with this. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, where were we? Uh, we are talking about virtuosity, where the director continued or to kind of push virtuality? in this direction. <laughs> <Oy>. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, he tried pushing in that direction, but it did take the Wachowskis uh, to really, um, I think, push things into an even more stylized, abstracted presentation of virtual reality. And I'm not sure what what it is that made it different. Maybe it's just that they went like full metaphor with it. You know what it isn't I think even it is, like, yeah, go for it. This movie strikes me as one that was made by someone very interested in technology. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, that's so, a good point. Like they built a simple story around a kind of nerdy subject that really interested them. Okay. Um, that explains why I like this movie so much. Yeah. Now the, the Wachowskis, you know, it wasn't enough that they, you know, they did all this world building with the matrix. It was like, Oh, we mm-hmm. read, um, we read this Baudrillard book and we want all of you in the cast to understand it. So, so yeah. read this. Give me a book report before, uh, you know, call time. Yeah, yeah, and, there are um, concepts behind it rather than just being like, "This is kind of a neat thing." What do you make of this? Because there's yeah. no like, there's no strong philosoph- philosophical underpinnings to it. Yes, and that's why. Okay, and that totally is at my level then. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I am what the world made me. Um, and so that's why this movie feels like an an elevated direct-to-video picture that made a healthy thirty million dollars, and. Mm-hmm. The Matrix became like a world-spanning hundreds of millions of dollars phenomenon. Right. And that is a, a great insight, Jen. It's, you know, almost like uh, sort of the humanities are important in some way. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, who knew? Now, yeah, if only weird. I were smart enough to understand on Simulacra and whatever it's called. Maybe Simulacra one day you and can Simulation? Ex- yeah, maybe one day you can explain it to me because I'm dumb. I'm dumb uh, as hell. Yeah. Well, the well the the <laughs> shitty thing about Baudrillard is that he like he likes using like his own made up jargon for stuff, 
where it's like ah. this is uh, he will use a word and everyone agrees what the meaning of that word is and everyone knows like what it means in context and he will start using it for something that's completely unrelated and so you're Oof. looking at it and you're like you're reading code where it's like this thing to the that thing and i'm like i don't know what this means because i don't know what what fucking code you're speaking in all but, i see is blonde brunette redhead right yeah hey <laughs> so yeah w- once you get past that and that is like the shitty part of it where it's like you know gene you know baby you could have made this a little clearer um but once you get past that it starts to make sense and it does upend your worldview and you start looking at things differently so you know good on the wachowskis for you know opening people you know to those philosophies and you know, maybe maybe they finally broke Keanu Reeves and turned him into what he is now. Um, you know, well, they like rescued exposing him. him to that. Yeah, they 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 rescued him from himbodom because he used to be just considered like a laughable dumb guy. But this yeah, maybe solidif- broke isn't the word. Yeah, this solidified him. At, the Matrix solidified him as like an action star. Yeah, less that than you know. Uh, I mean. I mean, I would he was be happy still the guy who goes, whoa, but, you know, yeah. people like Keanu. Like, <laughs> he nobody makes fun of him for being stupid anymore. Right. Well, where were we in the story? Like, I assume that now that um, that Job has become self-actualized and, mm-hmm. you know, has gotten laid him. and got new threads and everything, um, everything's great now, right? Yeah, of course. And that's when the movie ends. And I don't know why he stuck around for the director's cut, because it's all downhill. Like... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was like it's like the studio cut of brazil he just yeah rides off with kim greased or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah we, li- we live in a little poured concrete house in a valley yeah um <laughs> one of the one of the other details too because you you totally nailed it about how this is like this movie is about a, a person who's interested in like the um like the 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 ways and means about something more than like the philosophical underpinnings of it yeah. Like I I loved the, you know, computer graphics in it. I love that there's like an incorporation of like, you know, occult symbolism in like these stroboscopic flashes yes. of like when, you know, Job is is having his mind altered and I'm like, I really like that cool minutia because it it touches on so many other different things where like if you can try and, you know, uh, you know, corkboard it all together into like, oh, and this is has this thing to say about human potential and this thing as that thing to say about transcendentalism and then you know suddenly you're a charlie day meme but um <laughs> yeah i just thought that's that stuff is really cool and it uh yeah and and it also you know fits into you know my affection for you know grant morrison's stories about you know what it means about you know who who you are versus what you could be and you know this sort of you know fungible notion of identity and um yeah like it's 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 cool stuff the Grant Morrison stuff probably has, you know, more philosophical um, work in it than Lawnmower Man does. But well, it all yeah, kind like of... it, it, this, unfortunately, this isn't an adaptation of the Invisibles that we're talking about. Right. Although I would love to see that. Oh, or... that would if they did it right, it would be so sick because I yeah. love the Invisibles. I don't I don't, be... and I don't understand Grant Morrison haters. You see them a lot. And I just don't. I'm like, what? yeah i don't people want yeah (laughs) i don't i yeah i mean because you're reading you know like grant morrison stuff and you know um other you know comic authors that i'm gonna bother a name drop um but like 
then to go back to like regular serial comics and then just kind of reading them being like oh this is like this is just soap opera stuff to keep me reading yeah like i'm not interested in this like give me give me the good stuff give me the stuff that's gonna make me question my identity exactly so but um so yeah and you don't need a you know a virtual reality supercomputer to do that um yeah eventually you you this is uh one of the things um that i was watching in one of the kurzgesagt videos is about climate change and i think the point that they made is that or maybe it was the great filter you search for the great filter on youtube and you'll find several million videos on it because i only know like the five or six interesting fringe sci-fi ideas that the internet feeds me um it's but, a start. yeah yeah but one of the things about like the great filter is that um the it's either you know is the filter ahead of us or behind us and it's there to answer the question of like why is there not more intelligent life in the universe um like you know where is everybody and the question is like is the filter in you know is the filter behind this in that it is really hard for life to form in the first place and that we exist at all is a miracle and it's going to be smooth sailing ahead or is the filter in front of us, meaning that eventually we're going to reach critical mass where we just can't sustain our existence anymore and we die out like every other intelligent civilization has before us? If there is a lot of life throughout the universe, that's bad for us because it means that the great filter is in front of us. And um, I forget who it is, um, but you know the, the people describing this posit that once a species is able to alter its own environment that is leading to its inevitable decline. Like, once you can change the atmosphere, once you can change the climate, once you can change, like, your own world without any kind of responsibility to how you're changing it, Mm -hmm. it's like, well, you're, you know, you're you're in, um, you know, what they might call garbage time. It's like, the game isn't over, but you've already lost it. Right. Like, your, your yeah, your species is doomed, you just don't know it yet. So, what we have here is where Job is now able to, you know, he he's moved past what, you know, Dr. Angelo is, um, or whatever, has, has taught him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's learning faster. He's, you know, the student is now the master at this point. Like, he's learning faster than the, you know, doctor who created him. Um, I guess he's kind of a Frankenstein. Um, and he's, uh, and, and then he takes, you know, his... Um, his fuck buddy in to the VR system. And, and it's like, he finally has, you know, surpassed the training that has gotten him this far. Now he's able to control what happens in this virtual reality environment. And he's able to even amp himself up even more. How did he sign her in? Um, by being smart. I guess so. Yeah. Foolish me. Right. Yeah. Um, so the two of them are in there, but you know, again, he has that uh, recklessness because he's just drunk on power at this point. I mean, he, ex- he explains this utopia where it's like, hey, we can do anything we want. And anyone who's played Grand Theft Auto online knows what that leads to. Like anyone who's played Fortnite is like, this is a shit show. <laughs> like you just having this unfettered um, you know, control over everything. You're like, this world is going to turn into a fun, like goofy nightmare. Uh, yeah, except for the people into... who aren't in control over it, it's kind of like an economic system, I guess. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going real galaxy brain on this episode. I gotta say, 
Well, you know, like once you once you plugged in and they started shooting occult symbols at you. Yeah. In strobing yeah. flashes, like your once brain the, has just been expanding exponentially. Yeah, once they hit me with the flying toasters, it was all over. So it's, he takes his girlfriend in there and he essentially lobotomizes her because he goes too he goes too far. They didn't establish a safe word when they went into VR. <laughs> it's a little bit unclear exactly what happens. Like he turns into some kind of monster that looks like um it 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 reminds me of that drawing on the cover of that um Daniel Johnston album, you know, the Hi How Are You monster with the eye stalks. Okay. Yeah. It, well, uh, yeah, I mean it looks like something from like uh you know, Cartoon Network in like the early 2000s maybe. Yeah, like he turns into a weird monster and then she just kind of goes like Duh, and then, you know, the next thing you know, she's uh off-screen wandering around nude and laughing. Yeah, so he essentially fate. Yeah, so he he accidentally like you know, corrupts her hard drive or something, or who knows what the fuck <clears throat> he does to her, because he's pretty much able to do whatever he wants, and turns out that when you let people do whatever they want, it you know kind of goes off the rails. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so that's not great for her, and this is you know, and again, uh, Job kind of tooling around on his own, like you know he he hangs out with the uh, you know with the last action hero kid again. And he's listening to like all the different kinds of music where he's like, oh, let me get, let me listen to jazz. I was like, okay, I got the, the gist of jazz. Let me listen to class, classic rock. Okay. Yeah, I got the gist of it. Let me listen to, you know, um, you know, chamber music. Okay. I got the gist of it. It's very um, fun. He's like, oh, uh, now I'm going to, now I'm listening to 100 Gex. Okay. I get it. No, but um, it's very funny because, yeah. um, you know, when he, uh, when he decides that, you know, he wants to do some more historical learning and um dr angelo like gives him access to all that like historical knowledge like the way mm -hmm. that he absorbs it is the same way that you listen to podcasts like on, oh like, yeah four times speed just like nah you know i don't, I don't have time just keep it coming <laughs> yeah pod well podcasts aren't terminal it's just two two knuckleheads yammering at each other uh why are our <laughs> subscribers going down oh, that's weird <laughs> um yeah so it's just yeah you can Listen to it at, you know, four times speed. You don't need to listen to, like, the last minute of it. You don't need to listen to the first three seconds of it. You don't need to listen to the theme song. Um, yeah, like, the, uh, uh, yeah, if you take out all the, the likes and ums and vocalized pauses, you can probably cut 20 minutes out of this episode alone. Uh, me restating jokes. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of cutting. Yeah, yeah. I like how this is basically, like, a B-side. Yeah. <laughs> um no that's yeah, so, Lamb's episode right uh yeah so he's yeah so he's mainlining historical information he's learning all his all he can and he, you know he's changing as a character because he's hanging out with a kid at the diner and uh the kid's like oh you read this latest comic anymore and he's like no nah, i don't read comics anymore and you know he's changing is he maturing like you know you shouldn't read comics or is he you know forgetting his you know core character and that he was a guy who you know, was basically good and hung out with a kid and read comics. Yeah, and I think in a... Uh, I don't want to say a smarter movie. I think in a movie which cared more about the inner lives of its characters, mm -hmm. like, that would be a little bit more emphasized, like, how it how his character does essentially change. Like, there isn't... Um, 
And, you know, it's the same as how, like, the kind of the moral arc of uh, Pierce Brosnan's character, like, really isn't that interesting if you if you look at it, because, you know, it's, I mean, he does kind of come to a realization that he's been doing unethical things, but it's like, my man, you've been doing unethical shit this entire time. Like, you were right, torturing yeah. monkeys for the government. Yeah, it's like Frankenstein is not about the doctor. Yeah, and in fact, there's a line yeah. uh, where one of the... There are a couple of, like, uh, you know, ambiguously gay, villainous, bald guys in this movie. And um, mm -hmm. one of them says to him, the concept of dirty money went out when the Catholic Church got into banking about 300 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. Which is like, whoa, man, that is so true. But, um, yeah, it's like, you know, you've been doing, like, again, you've been doing unethical, immoral shit this entire time. And you've been doing it with, like, this shadowy government money right yeah um yeah so so his character doesn't really change um yeah, yeah and yeah it, and that um you know job's changed from you know this you know kind of uh harmless simpleton to you know this man about town it's just kind of a throwaway line about like oh, i don't read comics anymore but i'm giving them to you i mean he's still a good guy but he's not the same guy and this is about all we get of it. Um, and, and this is when, like, his, you know, psychic powers start to show up about, you know, his um, uh, telepathy shows up there. And then later on, his, uh, you know, his telekinesis. Sorry, telekinesis. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> talk like the guy from Dead Talk Back. Um, oh, I got to put that one in the swear jar. Um, uh, but yeah, his... his <laughs> But yeah, his um his telepathy shows up, and uh, I think that's done really well. And his you know telekinesis, same thing too, where he's like he's squeezing the tube out of the toothpaste. It's you know kind of like it's like you're um seeing you know powers develop like in Chronicle or something, where it's just like oh let me just see what happens when I do this. What's it like when when I do that? Mm -hmm. Um, so you know I you know I thought that was fine, and I don't know I I really um like the notion to uh, I really like the portrayal of psychic abilities in this maybe we don't see them done well because a lot of the time what you're seeing is like Scarlet Witch stuff or something right. where, where it's, it's it's more just like I don't know I, I shoot you with something but the same as like how it's portrayed in um, like like in Scanners where it's you know that, that shot of them trying to give you know Michael Ironside the injection yeah. And then you just see the guy subtly move from like, you know, the like from his arm to his own arm. Yeah. <laughs> and like that's the way that's the way it works where it's 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 this this subtle way of influencing people that no one has any defense against. Yeah. Cuz like you don't know that you're being tricked. It's like after um yeah, and this is later on in the movie, you know, when Job uses his uh, telekinesis to uh, kill the guy with the with his lawnmower, and then the cops show up, and then Job just kind of shows up, and you know, then the cops are like, "Oh yeah, this is a really uh, this is a really horrible crime. We should probably look for who did." Hey, there's Job. Yeah, well, accidents happen. See, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to lunch, and just and I I just think that's really neat because it's this person who's able to do these things that no one else can do anything to stop him. Yeah. It's undercut somewhat by the cartoonishness of the scene, like the performance of the guy playing the cop. 
it's yeah because that's one of those character actors too yeah it's um like it and you know i can't say like that's when the movie begins to verge on the silly because the movie has been silly from like the beginning from the <laughs> but... from the monkey with a gun yeah <laughs> but yeah um but you know it it is what it is you're you're watching a glorified b picture here right um yeah so so he you know gains his he first has these psychic abilities sort of in, intruding on him i don't know if you know anything about intrusive thoughts um yeah. but yeah so so these start intruding on him and then you know he's like oh he can read his girlfriend's mind um not that there's yeah. a lot there um and yeah then he can start i'm horny um, yeah <laughs> i'm bored and horny um and you know he can change the cops minds um he can you know use his telepathic powers or his telekinetic powers to you know, move the lawnmower around and chase people around with that like there's a scene of just the lawnmower moving around on its own and it's just you know jeff fahey chilling um yeah. he's doing a terrible job of mowing that lawn though well you know his maybe his mind is on other things yeah <laughs> Um, he goes to, uh, confront the, uh, priest that was whipping him earlier because he's, the priest is just an asshole, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he sets him on fire, so already, like, you know, he's got telepathy, he's got telekinesis, he's got pyrokinesis, which is pretty he cool, sets you him don't on, see that like, one. He sets him on weird, like, CG fire, though. Yeah, and that's what I really love about it, because <laughs> that is... Because on the one hand, you can be like, oh, it's just a cheap effect. It's like, ah, no, we've been watching cheesy VR effects this entire time. Is he really setting him on fire or is it cheesy virtual reality fire? Because we see another um, we need, see another version of his power where he attacks the, um, the compound guards with like these imaginary digital insects. Yeah. Whereas is it like, is he... And that's great because that's where things get really muddy because it's like we went into the virtual world, but then some of the virtual world came out with us. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I like that kind of it just plays with that nature of reality where, you know, virtual reality and real reality kind of intertwine in a weird way where it isn't clear where the boundary is anymore. Like, I just find that really interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know. (laughs) Um, what else happens? Okay, so he does the, you know, that. Well, he's basically um, invincible at this point, but uh, it's yeah, still up to Pierce Brosnan to stop him. Yeah, and I mean, no, yeah, like, I'm sure you could, you know, if you were, if you had, you know, a sniper rifle, yeah, you could, you know, defeat him really easily. But, you know, if you, if he sees you and he's like, I want you to act differently, then it's like, well, you're acting differently. Yeah. Like, I mean, the, the person who gets it, I don't know, things get really weird for a moment because you not only see like you know he's a he's doing pretty mundane you know movie psychic stuff which is you know like killing someone with the lawnmower um he's uh you know sets the guy on fire that's 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 kind of new like fire starter um who wrote that by the way <laughs> some guy nah, doesn't doesn't matter some hack um but uh yeah so he does both of those things and then um it, then he um then he confronts Terry from like the fix it shop. The guy's been a dick to him this whole time. And then like he he, he what he says, you know, he, he puts Lawnmower Man in his head, which means he basically like turned him into a vegetable. Yeah. 
and there's a great way that they show that of like the the digital job with like a lawnmower blade mouth just like eating his brain yeah and i'm like i don't know that's that's pretty fucking metal if you ask me (laughs) and and so like you know this guy isn't dead or anything but like he's just you know he's just a vegetable now and so like that's kind of like a weird messed up fate for someone yeah teenage tim was like i cannot wait to tell everybody at school about this on monday yeah i can't wait to tell josh and sammy and i think that's it shouts Um, out josh and sammy oh sammy sammy does not want to hear a goddamn thing from me anymore i can tell you that much um yeah (laughs) i deserve it um but uh (laughs) yeah but um but yeah so not only that but um then you know the 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 institute that you know uh dr james bond works for they're like oh yeah joe's he's creating a lot of problems for us right now but he's also very valuable we need to bring him in because we need to keep doing evil science because that's the only thing that pays the bills yeah hank Um, from breaking bad is very interested to see what he can do yeah and that threw me for a loop because he is you know 30 years younger doing a british accent yeah like a really a really hammy like super villain style of yeah Yeah, which I mean, you know, you you see him in Breaking Bad and can't be like, no, I can't say the guy's a shitty actor. Yeah. You know, but it's like, you know, he's like, well, I'm here to portray a, you know, a learned evil person. British accent. Yeah. I was so, kind of hoping it was Ag- Ag- um, Angus McFadden, but I realized that that was kind of the role he played in uh, Equilibrium. Oh, well. Different movie. That. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so you get to see um, Dean Norris, Hank from Breaking Bad, in a minor role as one of the evil guys, one of the evil bald guys running the company. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they say, well, you got to go, you know, you know, retrieve this asset of Job, and they send, you know, two goons, and the, and yeah, this is again where things get really weird, um, because uh, Job appears to them as a floating, glowing head. And he when just they saw shoot Zardoz, up, and he was like, that's sick, I'm going to do that. And he's like, yeah, good idea, let's do this. So he does that, and then they, you know, sh- shoot their submachine guns at him, and then he, like, li- like a, um, uh, uh, I don't like... He turns them into Boba tea. <laughs> no, what am I going to say? What am I trying to say? Like, yeah, like a, like an 8-bit Dr. Manhattan like he disintegrates them. Yeah. <laughs> like he yeah, he turns them into like he like he derezzes them. Yeah. You know, to to borrow, you know, some Tron parlance. Um and which End is really Yeah, which is really weird for me to see because it's like, well, where the hell are these guys? Like they aren't like a pile of goo on the floor. Yeah, because like they a... they aren't a dead body; they're just kind of like not there. Yeah, and there's an implication later where like you know somebody in the facility has like suffered the same fate, and like um, Doctor Angelo sees the the results, and it's like, what is this state of being that they're in now? They're just like kind of like little bubbles swirling around. Yeah, they're sort of yeah, and that's weird too, and that calls back another thing that I should have looked up because I know I've invoked in this podcast before. There's an episode of like the '90s Outer Limits that is about, um, you know, again, it's this 
whatever high-tech military device that like you know arvid from head of the class or something like you get s- stuck in a time loop when they turn it on and so he spends the whole episode trying to like stop them from doing it Oof. because like every time that he does it like the time loop gets gets shorter but you know there's the military brass is like no we need to make sure that this thing happens because of whatever x y and z reason that we explained in the first act um <laughs> and so he eventually does like stop it from happening but like the general who's insistent on making it happen goes out to where the machine is and like you know fucks with it and makes it do its thing but the problem is like the loop is so short that he only experiences like the few seconds before it goes off so he is just having that oh shit moment like for eternity Ugh. So, yeah freaky. so uh, yeah so i imagine that um this character tims who is like you know dr angelo's boss like he's just in that state where it's like i'm never really dead but i'm also not like corporeal anymore so he's just yeah. kind of like yeah he's sort of like I don't know, being like overwritten constantly. It's it's a really weird thing. It's a weird notion to wrap your head around. It's a fucked up way to be. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, the, the other thing too that I mentioned before, you know, Job gets back to the base because he's, because he's, he's saying, you know, he's really full of himself at this point. Where he's, you know, telling Dr. Angela, he's like, look, I'm going to transcend this corporeal being. Like you people are all stupid. I'm just going to live in the internet all the time. Um, and, uh, and so he's like, well, in order to do that, I'm going to jump in through the mainframe. I don't know why he tells him this. He's like, I'm going to jump in and then I'm going to go do that. Oh, cause he, he tied him up in his basement and he monologued at him. Yeah. He's like, you know, I'm going to tie you up standard. here and then, yeah, because I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be able to tell you what his plan was if he didn't tell me. Um, so yeah, so he tells him what his plan is. He's like, I'm going to go live in the internet, you know, fuck being a, you know, a meat bag. Uh, you know, I'm going to ditch my wet wear and I'm going to live as, you know, an algorithm for eternity and just, you know, spread across the Internet, you know, predating uh, Agent Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's got to get to it. And the cool thing, again, like about his psychic abilities is that he has his, you know, former landscaper boss just like sitting in a truck being his um, is uh, Renfield, basically. Yeah. Where the guy's just kind of sitting in the truck like a zombie until he like wakes up and he's like, okay, Joby, I'll be right there. <laughs> just, you know, waiting to be like, uh, so he, he picks him up and then he drives him there. Cause you know, if you're, if you're, you know, this, uh, incredibly powerful psychic, like you aren't, you know, you aren't driving yourself. No, you fuck have a minion. No. Yeah. You have minions to do that. So he drives him up there and he like conjures this, uh, swarm of, you know, digital insects to, to, uh, fight the guards, which again, gets into some really, mind-blowing areas for you know a 14 year old tim being like well like are the insects real obviously not because digital stuff is not real like you know the um you know the the shark card that i buy in gta isn't real money it's just there for buying digital goods like so okay so then what is this swarm and given that we've already seen him able to like alter you know terry's mind to turn turn him into a vegetable um it like is he just en masse like creating this like a psychotic hallucination amongst the guards like it doesn't need to be real he just imposes through this particular um uh stylistic choice i'm saying you know i'm gonna make the guards imagine that they're 
being attacked by a swarm of digital, you know, wasps. Yeah. All he has to do is like induce fear and they're helpless. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, it, it is, you know, it's it's good for us as the audience to see that and be like, oh, okay, I get what he's doing. But, you know, it's sort of, it's, he's, you know, he's chosen the form of the traveler <laughs> at this point. You know, like, it doesn't need to be a marshmallow man, but whatever it is, it's going to be trouble. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you wanted to make, you know, like a subtle thing about it, uh, you're connecting, you know, perspective and, um, and, and you know, um, your 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 perceptions and and like a digital environment like you know you could connect that to uh like that uh that unethical experiment that facebook did about like altering your feed to make people sad yes and i know i'm paraphrasing but it's like holy shit like that's the institute right there that's them being like you know there's a dr angelo working for facebook being like hey i'm gonna make uh hundred thousand people sad just to see if i can do it yeah they don't even need to yeah. give guns to chimps Right, yeah, and Zuckerberg's <clears throat> like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna be on my island. Um, yeah, so like there is, there is an interesting idea underneath that, saying that digitally we can make people think and feel a certain way, you know, by conv- as conveyed through this metaphor. So it's interesting to hear you frame it that way because obviously you've extracted a lot of interesting questions from the movie, and. Yeah. The movie, um, I won't say that it doesn't necessarily support those ideas. It's like, you know, you can you can ex- extrapolate a lot of interesting things, even from very simplistic stories. But, um, you know, it plays out in the movie more as like kind of like a, you know, like a cartoon house of horrors rather than like a, you know, a troubling look at the direction of technology. But yeah, yeah. It can be whatever you want it to be, quite frankly. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. For a really nuanced take, you need, you really need to watch the miniseries Wild Palms. So, you know, <laughs> see a, that's not true. I've watched Wild. I've watched most of Wild Palms twice. Twice. <laughs> yeah. I I watched it when it came out, and um, I think it was like a five episode series. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, it was like you know, event viewing at the time on like ABC or whatever. And again, I was about the same age. This probably would have been like 88 or so, but I was already in, into like, you know, cool sci-fi stuff. And, you know, I watched the first three episodes or so and then just kind of like lost track of it. You know, mm-hmm. it had like, you know, Jim Belushi and Brad Dorif and, you know, Beeb Newworth. Um, uh, what's it? Robert Loja. Kim Cattrall. Uh, probably. <laughs> it didn't yeah. have the same I think they were hoping for another Twin Peaks but it didn't have anywhere near the same cultural impact yeah which is unfortunate but I mean my, my point being that you know I watched like the first three episodes of it when I was a kid right. you know instead of watching Twin Peaks and then I you know found it again online somewhere and sure enough I watched three episodes of it and then kind of lost interest <laughs> like again right. just like well you couldn't stick the landing I guess I think a lot of people did the same thing yeah, like by the point where they're like, oh, it isn't like good and bad. It isn't, you know, like new and old. It's the friends versus the fathers. And I'm like, well, I don't know what the difference is between those two things. <laughs> like, I don't I don't know who to root for here. Yeah. And that's probably the point where they lost a lot of people. Because like, it's neat that you got these two different groups. But like, I don't know what either of them stand for. I just know that like, you 
Ben Savage is like a psycho kid, but he's not like a Damien kid. I, I don't know. Well, Wild Palms didn't really hit, except with a mm-hmm. very small cult audience. This movie did hit, and maybe it was like the simplicity of the story and the novelty of the visuals. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly hit with me, you know, being being a almost teenager. Yeah, you know, in spite of all the things that um, that Joe was able to throw in his path to stop him, Dr. Angelo is able to... Um, how does he do it exactly? The kid, because he's 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 wired up a bunch of bombs to destroy the facility with Job in it, but um, right. the fly in the ointment is this this stupid kid is like snuck into the facility for some reason. Um, right. That's well, always the yeah. point. That's always the point in a in a dumb action movie when my dad goes, "Oh Jesus Christ." <laughs> Dad, there are some concepts here that you need to be, you know, taking on board. Really, <laughs> well, I mean, it's not way. wrong. I mean, like, um, like the the kind of the cheap like plot device of like the child in peril. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you're like, oh no, like is is Doctor Angelo going to be able to stop Job? And then it's like, oh Christ, and this kid has to get involved. Ah, fuck, and um, right. you know, also, but it's it's really just so um. Uh, the doctor can have a nice ready-made family after his wife gets ventilated by government agents, so. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, also, too, uh, you know, you wanted, you could point out, too, that the kid is there, you know, it, the kid is really the flying the ointment of uh, Job's plan. Yes. Um, and it is his basic humanity that, in a way, kind of betrays him. Yeah, But that is true. But, yeah. But yeah, so anyway, the kid shows up. I don't even remember that part because it's so inconsequential to the events as they transpired. But um, yeah, so the uh, Job dispatches the two goons from the Institute. Um, uh, d- uh, Doctor Lizardo, whatever. <laughs> um, he 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 just he finds some timed explosives in the van. So I guess they're his now. Which again is is the way that I would write something. Like it's the sort of thing that happens. Again, like in a role-playing game, where it's just like, we need bombs, okay? Um, uh, do a spot hidden. Okay, you find some bombs. Cool. Moving I on. I love that there's a shot of the case labeled explosives, and then you hear in ADR Pierce Brosnan muttering, explosive. Right, yeah. It, it's it's kind of like <laughs> like when we were watching Ernest Goes to Camp, and they have the boxes with the word smoke bombs written on them. It's like, I know what's in there. <laughs> So yeah, so now he grabs that's the expl- just good visual storytelling. <laughs> yeah, so he grabs the explosives and he rigs up the the place to explode while um, uh, while Job is continuing his plan of being you know uh, of he's trying to upload uh, himself to the internet yeah, or he, something. Yeah, he is he is con- he is completing his journey of transcendentalism where he's becoming a being of pure thought or consciousness or you know pure energy. Right, 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 right. Um, so yeah, he's uploading himself and he's, you know, discarding his corporeal form, which is kind of an, an interesting, weird visual in that there's just like this dried up husk of his body left behind. Yeah. And then, um, he, he kind of becomes a CG cartoon, which is still less cartoonish than the actual Jeff Fahey. Yeah. Yeah. It actually lends some dignity to him. So maybe that was, <laughs> that was the important change. Um, I also want to point out too that he does refer to himself as a cyber Christ earlier in the film. Like I think when he's when he's that. arguing that's, with Angela, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, well, you know, this like this guy is not full of himself at all. Um, 
Well, so, if yeah, he were he actually uploads a it. cyber Christ, he would, I guess, like, you know, sacrifice himself, you know, as penance for, like, the sins of all us web surfers like i i don't know you know i don't i don't think that that um uh catholic priest whipping him was able to instill much of the love of christ into him yeah who knew (laughs) yeah um so so yeah he uploads himself but the problem is you know dr angelo like cut him off basically where it's like you know he's uh he's what what you might call air gapped like there's no way out of the system that he uploaded himself into so he's he's contained the the threat um, and then Angelo goes in to, to talk to him and be like, you know, Job, you're an asshole. Quit doing this. Um, but you know, not only that, like, it isn't enough that, like, he saw himself as a cyber Christ on the outside. Like, he fully says to him, like, I am God here. Yeah. And that's a pretty powerful, uh, you know, uh, uh, hit to the old ego to be like, yeah, like, he was he was a lawnmower man before and now he's God. Like, yeah, yeah, like he literally has godlike powers. Right. Yeah. And and I would add too that earlier on when he is uploading himself, I don't know if it's the first, but it has to be the best use of I'm in. Yes, there's an actual I'm in in this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he, he that that one is earned, I feel. But yeah, so the the two of them are fighting in in uh cyberspace and you know angelo is pretty much just he is as a mortal human in this vr world whereas job is a god he's overmatched yeah and job is spending all his time trying to find like a way out while he knows that you know the bombs are going to go off in five minutes and it's interesting too in that um you know job did relinquish some of his power by becoming you know a pure digital being because his you know his uh telekinesis doesn't work anymore because he's no longer physical yeah so he can't stop the bombs and i think that's a good that's an interesting limitation of his powers yeah i i don't even remember what the actual fight is i just remember angela being like you know don't be an asshole and um job being like no like i'm gonna i'm gonna be in everything like i'm gonna be you know the ghost in the machine like what by 2000 like everyone will be hooked into the internet and by hooking into that they'll be hooked into me like he wants to he wants to run the show at this point yeah which, and the key line is when he says you know my birth cry will be every telephone all over the world ringing in unison or whatever right which is a a pretty cool set piece to anticipate yes um i agree yeah yeah and, and yeah that they kind of you know pin something on that line is you know something to something to remember but yeah so eventually you know he he dispatches angelo and it's like well fuck this i'm getting out of here i'm gonna save the kid and get out of here before all the bombs go off and destroy you jeff fahey has become an asshole because you got too smart <laughs> and you know it's just like here die alone you piece of shit mm-hmm. um so so they escape the building blows up but meanwhile Job finds like an, an io port and he you know he exports himself as the building blows up I'm out. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and just like, you know, as people have been talking about, you know, 2020, or, you know, in particular, like, you know, the the election, where they're like, okay, so we safely got Biden elected, but, you know, like any horror movie, it's like, well, the killer's been dealt with, but we still have 20 minutes. Like, the, <laughs> I, I still have an, an uneasy feeling, you know, of what's going to happen, you know. Unfortunately, this about the we still live in America. 
Yeah, yeah. The unfortunate thing is, like, Trump is still president until, like, you know, the, the middle of January. So Job is dealt with. The uh, computer is destroyed. We don't know what happened to him, but we know that, you know, Dr. Angelo's is fine. You know, he's got his pre-made family. Um, you know, he's got the, the kid from uh, yeah, the kid from Last Action Hero. Austin O'Brien. Yeah. So, and there is kind of a sort of, um, you know, a, a sort of end of Terminator feel to it. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of no fate, but what we make being like, you know, I know we did involved in some pretty heavy shit here. And it's like moving into the future. We don't know what we're going to, what we're going to face, but we've seen the worst of it. And so just that, that kind of hangs like a cloud over, I feel like the characters knowing that things can get this bad again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, something to think about. And then, you know, then the, as he, you know, shuts off his computers and I assume goes to live on a rich, fulfilling life, the phone rings. And then every phone rings. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I, I really like the ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it, like that. That ending really stuck with me because this it because it is, you know, the like the end of a third act. Like, what do they say? Like, don't overstay your welcome. Don't stay any longer than you have to. And that is like that is like the, the penultimate shot of the movie is that close up of the phone ringing. Yeah. And after that, you're just like, I guess we're done here. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. yeah, what a chilling thought to, yeah. to like, can you imagine having like this? insidious network just making your life miserable no matter where you go yeah that's 2020 bro <laughs> yeah really so i go online and i'm miserable every fucking day of my life yeah so so that's uh that's that's lawnmower man uh, maybe a movie that um you have to read into a little bit um for it to be effective yeah, I... like certainly tim has gotten a lot out of it over the years i I read into it like it was an anthology of Wired issues. <laughs> it's it is it is much easier to read than Wired, though. At least uh, vintage Wired. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Dayglow Orange on Chrome. Come on. Yeah, it looks great. I um, I don't care about your new modem. But yeah, this is um, this is a very '90s ass movie. Um, it is kind of amusing. It can be rented for cheap on streaming services. Uh, anything else you want to say about the lawnmower man? I as as you probably guessed from me, you know, haranguing you this entire time, like there are a lot of cool ideas in it that I really um am drawn to. Like I think that some of the other stuff that we name check on here, like, you know, not just the Matrix, but like, you know, Grant Morrison and, you know, Baudrillard and um I what was that other book? Or like, you know, or the Invisibles um there are a lot of neat ideas in this space lawnmower man i feel like is probably a great you know teenagers entry into a lot of these ideas yeah it is on that level (laughs) yeah so yeah it's it's if you want to get into this sort of stuff you know you could you do all right by by watching lawnmower man i mean better this than black mirror yeah like don't just like uh i yeah (laughs) 